Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. I'm your other co-host, David Sorry, Stoker. I was trying to think of something uh, clever to say there with the, uh, <laughs> with the character we're about to meet in this minute. <laughs> but I was... Uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, he's a character. Oh, he's a character, all right. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about it, right? Minute 35 of the Search for Spock. Minute 35 starts with McCoy saying, finishing a sentence, saying, not logical. And ends a minute later with the bar alien saying, oh, Mutara. <laughs> Star Trek minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm, That's all I wanted to say about this minute. <laughs> uh... So yeah, so let's finish the thought from, you know, last minute where, you know, McCoy goes through the transformation. He changes to say to expect one to order poison in a bar. Not log is not logical. So here's my thing with it. He's he's clearly fallen into Spock mode. Right? So the the waitress, you know, said, "Oh, that's not usual usual poison." And, yep. you know, of course he has to answer as Spock would to a statement like that. Um we talked about it. Let's see. It's probably this is two or three times in the film so far. People have done the Spock impression, right? And they've done it very well to the point where I've I've been you know debating with you whether it was not it was just McCoy, uh, sorry, Leonard Nimoy, right? Yeah. You know, overdubbing on top of you know, Mark Leonard and DeForest Kelly. This is one of the times where DeForest Kelly does not right. Yeah. Does not nail it, in my opinion. You know. Or should he have switched? I mean, should we expect him to be full on sounding like Leonard Nimoy at this point, or is no, no, or is this a hybrid? I think, I think it's sort of like a. I, that's the way I would put it: is hybrid. It's okay. it's still McCoy. I think in the other instances, I think perhaps the Spock Katra has taken over a little bit. Okay. And I think here it's still McCoy. He's in the bar, but a little bit of the little bit of the Spock is sort of seeping out a little bit. And it could be from, because he's supposed to be at home on medication resting, so it could be the medication is preventing full-on Spock mode. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Uh, and I, I need to buy that, because otherwise it's just it's a little distracting, right? Because... A little bit. Yeah. I think, I think they could have gone. They could have gone there overall in the film, where we see, you know, you could... It's kind of add that sense of urgency and danger to McCoy by, you know, showing showing McCoy start out as McCoy, but right. having these, these moments of, you know, Spock, you know, comes through. And then, I don't know, you, you could show it where McCoy is just becoming less McCoy and more Spock-like, you know what I mean? To say, oh, right. you know, McCoy is disappearing. It's just to give that sense of urgency, we got to get something done. But maybe that's what they're trying to do here is saying, well... If he's starting to sound more like a hybrid of the of the yeah. two of them, maybe that's a that's a danger sign too of like oh no it's 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 not McCoy and it's not Spock either. Well, I, I think know. it's like they, I don't think you you definitely want to go full on Spock mode. I think you got to build up to it. I think and, and it makes me think of like uh, Fight Club 
where, you know, little by little, you know, if you, I'm going to spoil Fight Club if you haven't seen it. So little by little, you see, like, the flashes of, you know, Brad Pitt. And yep. then eventually becomes full on, like, Brad Pitt. And I feel like this is sort of the same thing. It's like, little by little, we're going to see, you know, little Spock's here, little Spock-isms here and there. But for the most part, it's still going to be McCoy until that that moment when, you know, there's full-on Spock mode. Okay. So you're you're saying that Spock is McCoy's Tyler Durden? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay. So the waitress, uh, waitress's reply to McCoy's weird line of it's not logical is she just winks and says, got it. And, uh... <laughs> And then we get treated to off-screen this somebody slurping on a straw. Yep. He's what? What is it, what is it called again? Silly straw. Silly, silly straws. Yep. So he's. Everyone loves a silly straw, and yeah, and he's got the same kind of drink, doesn't he? The same kind of just dry ice. Yep. Mad scientist Frankenstein's lab drink. And here we are, the bar alien, the bar contact, the. Oh, well, before he starts speaking, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on his look? I think he, I think he looks okay. I'm not, I'm not. He thinks he looks okay. I've always been. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Muppets. Yep. And I've always, uh, I've always thought the, the little feathery things that kind of come out from his, the sides of his eyes and uh, kind of his Fu Manchu. Um, there's a couple of moments in in these minutes where they kind of f- float in the breeze, and I they always I always thought of those kind of you know the, the hair on some of the Muppets' heads. It's a very feathery hair, um, so that's that's what I always think of first is the Muppets when I see him. Although he doesn't really look like a Muppet, it's just that those uh, let's say let's call him hair. Right. So I was thinking it. <laughs> Do you remember the movie Deuce Bigelow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fish in Deuce Bigelow. Yep, in the ten- with all the little yeah. tentacles and the little things on that's what he makes me think oh, of wow. is that fish. Okay. <laughs> is that the one the fish tank that gets smashed? That that yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um Yeah, I could see that too. That may have been what they were going for, like this blend of uh humanoid fish i don't know he's got he's got those big ears big giant ears with all the uh, oversized holes yep. <laughs> for his earrings uh and that that missing tooth or the gap between his teeth i've yep. always tried to figure out if that's just is that the is that the actor or did they actually you know what i mean is that or did they just black out his front tooth? But it's no. I think that's him. I think that's 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 him. That's the actor. So he actually yeah. has that funky space. Because the yeah. funky space is like dead center in his mouth. So it's right. like almost like he doesn't have four front teeth. He had like three front teeth, and he's missing the middle one. Well, it could be, you know, maybe he had dentures and he was able to take them out. You know, <laughs> okay. And, you know, it makes me think of. Uh, What's the movie with uh, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber, where he's got the yeah. chipped tooth? And I guess in real life, Jim Carrey has a chipped front tooth, and they actually removed 
the portion of the tooth so that it made him look like you know he had the the broken gotcha. tooth. So I'm wondering if this is a similar scenario where he could be missing his two front teeth or he had some sort of fake teeth in there and they, they pulled them out and just made it seem more interesting, I guess. Perhaps. You know, a conversation starter. <laughs> hey, did you see that alien in Star Trek? He's missing his front <laughs> teeth. Uh, well, this this guy we actually know, right? This this uh, we, we keep, we're not, we're, this is uh, The alien is played by uh, actor Alan Miller. Uh, I guess he's actually... He's an actor and a director now. Uh, I'm trying, as, you're, as you're talking, I'm trying to find like a picture of him without makeup on to see if we can uh, uh, we can actually see what his teeth look like. But all the pictures I, I'm finding of him so far, he's got his mouth closed. So maybe he does have. He's missing that tooth, and he's shy about it. But he's another. He's another one of the TV guys. He's been on a billion TV shows, and um, you know, very few, very few movies. But definitely, majority of his his time was guest starring on a lot of TV shows. Didn't seem like he had a lot of uh, reoccurring roles. Couple of couple of roles here and there, but for the most part, uh, you know, yeah. guest actor. And no other Star Trek appearances that I could find, which is surprising, because usually nope. that seems to be the pattern. Once you're in it, you're in it for life. At least as another background alien. Yeah, pretty much. But now that I see him without his makeup on, he totally looks familiar. He looks like one of those guys that I've seen in a million different shows, like Law and Order or whatever. He was in a uh, Galactic 1980. Oh, was he? A fantastic show that was taken off way too soon. I miss those flying motorcycles. <laughs> All right, back to back back to the bar. Oh boy! So, so the alien gets up. And turns around and goes and sits at McCoy's desk, and the first words out of his mouth are, "To your planet, welcome." And McCoy's like, "I think that's my line, stranger." Uh, and then, horrifyingly to me, he starts talking to McCoy like Yoda. Is it? Is it me? I hear am new. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't get the idea of having him speak in this particular manner I mean again I think it's one of those they were sitting around the table and they're like how can we make this guy sound more interesting than he really is I know we'll mix up his words and make him talk yeah. backwards I mean it's almost like a weird version of like pig Latin yeah it, sure pig Latin uh, Yoda but not Yoda right? he's, he's, he's talking it's yeah it's pretty close but it, it's definitely not full-on Yoda, but it's yeah. so close. I think they would have not gone there. Yeah. I just, again, I feel like these few scenes that we're seeing here in the bar are just some of the not good stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, too. I think we, you know, we've hinted at it and like, okay, so <clears throat> let's just talk about it. This is, you know, Star Trek trying to be Star Wars, right? Yeah. They've got their this this is their cantina scene. Yep. Uh, they got their funky aliens all over the place. They've got you know trying to have weird decorations and just you know make this otherworldly, even though it's on Earth. Um, and what's McCoy trying to do? Yep. He's trying to trying to you know rent a ship, book passage. Trying to book pa yeah book passage right on off the world yeah over to uh, trying I mean, to go you to just the Matara sector. Expect to see you know. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker in the next booth over, you know? 
Yeah. And I think even the tables. Aren't the tables the same? They're like lit up tables. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can't really see them in this minute. You can see them more in the previous minute. But it's uh, there's so many similarities. Um, it's distressing. And it's just, they don't, it's not. And it's like amateur version of it too. It's not like they try to go one up Star Wars and just go more over the top with it. They actually just, you know, went Star Wars holiday special with it. Yep, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm making you mad, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, it's just I. We we have these minutes, and you know, some of them are good, some of them are not, just not good, and we gotta live with it. <laughs> okay, so let's, can I share the Star Wars? Let me share the Star Wars story I was hinting about uh, off air. Uh, sure. So go for you know, it. My when I was just doing research for this, and it's like, oh, good God, this is so you know, want to be Star Wars, and you know, makes me sad. Uh, there's actually an interview from Starlog Magazine um, uh, back in October '84. Uh, DeForest Kelly um, was interviewed about the scene. And um, they're asking about the, the script described the bar that McCoy's in as, you know, just a smoke-filled watering hole of the 23rd century, uh, as smattering of civilians, Starfleet personnel, and visitors from strange and far-off civilizations. It does not have the bizarre qualities of the Star Wars bar, which is across the street. Huh. And, and, uh, and so that's just a, you know, a note in the, in the script. Well, the folks at Starlog asked DeForest Kelly about it, and what he answered yeah. was, uh, he's like, what we wanted to do is open that scene outside and have McCoy out on the sidewalk where he would naturally encounter other aliens and people from other planets. As he enters, yep. he stops and looks across the street to the Star Wars bar. Like, that's the name of it in quotations marks, the Star Wars bar. <laughs> and and DeForest Kelly says that once they actually met with Lucasfilm people and they talked about actually doing it, um, but they would have had to do a whole um, your re-raking of the set and it would have had a whole big deal. Um, but he said, that's what I wanted to see. I think it would have been wonderful and wish we had done it. <laughs> and I'm just like cringing. I mean, we've talked about it before. Star Wars should be a thing known to everybody in the Star Trek universe because it's just our future, right? Star Trek's. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I would have freaked out in a good way or a bad way if we actually saw that like if you you know you can picture right McCoy looked across the street and they I could say oh I can see the sign for Star Wars bar it would yeah. all be in the Star Wars font and um, I just feel like that was probably the one good decision they made during these minutes it, w- it would have yeah I, I, I think I would have it's one of those things where if they did it, they have to really study subtle about it. Like if he was out on the street and just walking, it would be something like blurry in the background across the street, yeah. you know, like behind him that you wouldn't, it would just be kind of background noise, uh, like an Easter egg, you know, don't, right. don't make, don't be obvious about it. Just make it like this Easter egg. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe something like that. Maybe if it was, yeah, something is totally subtle. Yeah. But then I think. I'm trying to imagine, you know, the fan reaction to it, you know, would people be up in arms like, oh, my God, that was the dumbest thing ever. Or, oh, my God, that was awesome. There was a Star Wars reference in Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I think I would be one of those ones that would be a little up in arms about it. I don't think I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek, but I don't think they need to intersect. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, um, I, I get your thought. You know, like they should know what Star Wars is, being our future. But I don't necessarily think we need to know that they know that. Like, yeah, we can we can keep them separate, and I think they should be kept separate. Right. Like your work friends from your real friends, or yeah, worlds colliding. <laughs> yeah. Worlds colliding. Uh, so anyway, I just I was I found that fascinating that uh, that was actually considered um, and fun that DeForest is on record talking about it. Um, but oh boy, that would what a moment we would have right now. We would ha- of course we would have to have Pete and Alex from Star Wars Minute on the show oh, yeah, if definitely. we were at it right. I mean, there's the intersection we've been looking for. <laughs> so back to. Back to the alien. Back to the alien, who has no name, by the way. No, uh, yeah, this 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 guy's you now this guy's got a big enough role. They, they can't give him a name, and uh, yeah. I mean he's credited, but he's, he's just a bar alien. I know we talked we talked about it, you know, a little bit last minute about uncredited people, and you know here we have a guy who's you know got a good couple of minutes here, and he doesn't even have a name. Yeah. Um. And is it just because he he said you know, I name not important? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you seek I. We should have tried to do the whole minute talking like him. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a no on that one. <laughs> I'll pass. It would, have been a really, it would have been a really short episode. <laughs> uh. So yeah, so McCoy's like, how you know? You've got me at a disadvantage. Aliens like my name's not important, but you see, guy, he he knows that McCoy's looking for a ship, and so right. he's saying he's got one. So McCoy's apparently put the word out, which is interesting. How do you think he would have done that? You know, has he stopped at multiple bars over the past couple of evenings? You know, looking for a ship, and the word has gotten out. Uh, which is posted to the message boards. So the alien says, "Message received. Available ship stands by." So this means that McCoy's been. McCoy's put the word out that he's looking for yeah. a ship. And I just wonder... So does, yeah, go ahead. So do they have, like, the dark web there? <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, do they have, like, uh, you know, message boards you can look for things, like, obviously for nefarious purposes, but, you know, I'm looking for a ship. You know, how do you... You don't just tack a note card like you did in your college dorm saying, <laughs> looking for, you know, refrigerator. Right. Um, looking for a ride to the yeah, looking for a ride off world money. You know, I have I have money. Right. I don't know. I just assume that uh, you know McCoy's been going out, you know, the past several evenings and stopping at all the bars in town and just put the word out that he's looking for a ship, and so the rumors have spread. Maybe yeah. Yeah. McCoy gets very aggressive with this, right? He's like, you know, you know, how much and how soon. Uh, so he's he's hot to trot. Oh yeah, he definitely wants to get off world. So that brings up a. So let's finish this minute because I have a question, and when we get to the end of the minute, I want to I want to ask that question. Okay. Uh, so alien says, "How soon is now?" Which I think is a Smith song, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and how much is where? Which is not a Smith song. That was their B side. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> so McCoy answers somewhere in the Mutara sector. And I'm not doing that line again. Oh, Here. Mutara. <laughs> we'll let the we'll let the listeners vote who's doing the better bar alien impression. Yeah, I, I'm not doing. It. I have a I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm not going to be able to do any voices very well. <laughs> um, but my question is. Yep. Does, how does McCoy know he needs to go there? I don't think he's had conversations with Kirk because um, he, you know, we mentioned in the last minute, you know, Chekhov has says, should I contact Dr. McCoy? And, you know, Kirk's like, yes, he's got a long journey ahead of him. And I think McCoy's doing this totally separate from Kirk. So I have to wonder, how does he know he needs to get get there? I mean, we know where he's going. Yeah. And, and, you know, by going to the Mutara sector, how does he know that he needs to go there? I think there's a lot to talk through here. Uh, <laughs> because you would think if McCoy's acting on some kind of instinct or, you know, Spock's talking to him in his head, you would think it would be, get me to Vulcan so I can get dumped in the Hall of Heads. Right, right? yeah. I need to get downloaded. Um, but does that, but because he wants to go to Mutara, does that mean Spock is talking to him saying, I know where my body is. You need to get me back to it. Yeah. Because he's, yeah, he's not saying go to Vulcan. Like the, I'm assuming the voice in his head is saying not go to, don't go to Vulcan. Mm -hmm. Take me to the Mutara sector. Right. Or is there just some sort of. You know, overlying, uh, you know, like the presence, like he doesn't feel the full on voice, but he feels the presence and the presence is telling him to get to Mutara. Maybe he doesn't know why he needs to go. Maybe he just, he's feeling that, like, like you said, his body, the body of Spock is in Mutara. So he knows he needs to, something is pushing him to go there. It's like instinct almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just opens that can of worms where, you know, we've talked about Katra already and how not super well-defined it is. And and this is just one of those, I guess another is a, a mystery of Katra is, well, wait a minute, is, is the Katra's aware of the physical form and and also aware that the physical form is still alive? You know, at this distance Maybe. and yada yada yada. I'm like, yeah, this is very interesting. I would have, I would have. It almost would have made more sense for him to say, "I need to go to Vulcan," because the last time we saw McCoy, he was telling Kirk to climb the steps of Mount Salea. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely have said, you know, I'm trying to book passage to the to the Vulcan system or whatever it's called, whatever system Vulcan is in, and um. Yeah, I definitely would have... Yeah, that makes more sense to me than him trying to get back to Mutara. Right. To Mutara sector. You know what it makes me think of, and uh, I think someone someone mentioned this on the Listener Federation on Facebook. It makes me think of, okay, so you so we talked about you, you haven't watched the movie in quite some time so you're, you're as we're doing nope. this as we're doing this season you're watching it one minute at a time so you haven't watched it in a while i feel like right. <laughs> i feel like moments like this is if i had said hey dave i would like you to from memory you know uh, from memory i'd like you to write down this the script to 
search for Spock and, <laughs> and you're trying to remember it. I'm like, okay, the bar seat. Now I know the aliens talking backwards and McCoy says he wants to get a ship to Mutara, you know, it, you know, right. like, like you forgot that, Oh, wait a minute. No, it should have been Vulcan. Right. It seems like a thing, just a thing you would have yeah. somebody who wasn't paying close enough attention to their own script would be like, Oh yeah, that's right. 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 No, no. He needs to be going to Vulcan, not Mutara. It's just a weird, seems like a weird mistake to me in a way. And so, and someone on the Listener Federation had 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 made a comment. I forget who, guys. I apologize. Uh, that he felt like the script had been written backwards, or you know, yeah. So yeah, the, every scene was every scene was written with the end in mind, uh, yeah. not necessarily with the how the story should flow. Right. Yeah. No, I remember reading that post, and yeah, like uh, it was the scene where uh, Moro and. Um, Kirk are talking and we had we had questioned like how would he know that you know the Enterprise you know couldn't take a pounding and you know uh, I, again I forget forget who who mentioned it had said you know because the the movie had been you know Harv didn't Harv already knew the ending so he knew that the Enter what was going to happen to the Enterprise right right and this is the same kind of thing yeah. it's like well <clears throat> we know they're going to Matara we all know why and and we know it because we've seen the movie right a million yeah. times so so. It was uh, uh, but first it time. was Shane. Yeah. Shane Marshall was the one who said it. He said, uh, uh, he, "I looked it up." So he says, "My point. I think there are a lot of <laughs> little spots where Harv Bennett knows exactly what's going to happen. His characters do too. The pounding the Enterprise is going to take has already happened in his mind, maybe on the written page. So it gets the definite article the rather than the hypothetical a. So yeah, yeah. And we got a grammar lesson. Yes." Yeah, and he, and he says, Thanks, yeah, he even goes on to say, he says, once again, I'm thinking the many of the small problems that are so noticeable come from the story being written backwards. Mm. Right. They know they get to get to the end. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's, that's how they get to. Yeah, this is just, again, I think we talked about that, too, in this is like, I'm not a screenwriter. I'm not a writer. Yeah. But if I was going to try try to write something, I think I've learned a lot um, about story and plot right. and uh, just just from talking about this film, I th yeah, yeah, I think I this think would be one of those things not to yeah. do. So I think for the end goal, I think we know that we need to get back to Genesis. We obviously know that Kirk has to get back to Genesis. So by having McCoy say, "Oh, I need to go to Vulcan," we'll split the movie into you know opposing directions, and so therefore he has to say, "I have to get back to Matar because he knows. That you know, like like we were saying, that Harv knows that hey, well they're all going to converge here, so we need to get them all to go back here. Even though it makes more yeah. sense for him to say, "I'm going to Vulcan." I guess I think they still could have. I, I think they could have easily left it at Vulcan. Because I mean, the way the scene ends, it's o it's okay for for McCoy to say. Um, well, I think that's. I think the reason why is because it plays up more in the next minute. No. Because if he says he's going to Vulcan, like anybody can go to Vulcan. That's true. Right. You wouldn't have the you wouldn't have the scene that's about to be. Yes. Raised. So I think the next scene, sort of, why it becomes a big thing, and I and you know I, I get it. Like, I I get why you need to get McCoy there. Like we know because we've seen the movie, and now we know because we know what Kirk knows, and I know I've said you know too many <laughs> too many times, but I still believe that. They they tripped up here with giving McCoy too much and giving us too much information of what McCoy may may or may not know because 
or he has not imparted to us why he needs to get to Mutara. Yeah. Yeah. Again, one of those one of those missed opportunities with you know what's what yes. is what is what are McCoy and Spock going through. Right. You know, we don't. We... I almost feel like there should be a scene where he's almost talking to himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where maybe he's, maybe, you know, like you had mentioned, like where he's walking down the street and he sees the Star Wars bar. Maybe if there's a scene where he's talking to himself, walking down the street, seeing like, uh, you know, in the Spock voice, you know, I, I must get back to Genesis. And well, why do we need to go to Genesis? You know, almost like that sort of crazy, crazy talk. I know it's, I know it would be bad, but I'm just <laughs> like, I feel like we are left out of some big secret here that McCoy knows in... I know a lot of it's implied yeah. based on what we figure out in the previous couple of minutes with Kirk and going to going to Genesis and all that stuff. So, so you don't want to see the Gollum slash Smeagol conversation with Spock and McCoy? I almost feel like... I, <laughs> the way you put it, I think that would be bad, but I almost feel like... You'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. <laughs> you can't do any worse... That's all I think I had for this minute. Yes. Shall we? I think shall I'm, we stop yeah. here? Yeah, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Well, great. Well, then, folks, uh, we'll be back again on Friday. So uh, uh, while you're waiting, you can still find us uh, online in the social medias: uh, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We you can find us at Star Trek Minute on all of those. And uh, we're going to be back again on Friday. We're talking about minute 36 of the search for Spock here at Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye.